Hello, my name is Nathan Foster, and welcome once again to the Renovari Weekly Podcast. You know, it's uh, it's occurred to me that I often interview authors or talk about books. Now, of course, books are just one way that we can learn things. And the last thing I want to do with this is burden you with a bunch more things to do. Uh, I do hope just in simply giving you some exposure to books you may or may not know about, that this helps in a deepening sense of your life with God. Yeah, of course, it's never about plowing through as many books as we can. Uh, I find it best to carefully select a book or two to work with and to take my time. With that being said, uh, how about we talk about another book? Hmm? <laughs> you may remember from past months that I do a special book club podcast and like to offer a general release uh, interview with the person curating the book. And so that is what follows. The book we're working with this season is On the Incarnation. It's a short book written by 4th century Saint Athanasius. And for this interview, we have none other than our resident church father's scholar, Renovari's president, Chris Hall. Enjoy. Hey, Chris. Good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you. Hey, you too. And we get to talk about one of your old friends. Yeah, Athanasius. Athanasius. Tell us, who is Saint Athanasius? Athanasius was uh, Archbishop in Alexandria for a number of years, on and off, exiled. Like five times? Actually, kicked five out. times. Five times. Uh, largely because of, um, well, largely because of politics and politics and theology being mixed together mm -hmm. and a number of issues that were really hot topics in his day at the top of the list. This is third century, yes? This is actually fourth century. Fourth century, okay. Fourth century. So uh, he was a presbyter in Alexandria in the early 300s and then became a bishop later on. He was, I think I described him in print once, as a theological street fighter. <laughs> <laughs> is it true on his tombstone, Athanasius against the world? Well, that was that was actually an expression. I don't know that it's on his tombstone, but it's an expression that Jerome used, okay. who was alive at the time, and he was praising uh, Athanasius. And what Jerome says at one time, at one time, in uh, Jerome's Latin, it was Athanasius contra mundum, <laughs> uh, Athanasius against the world, because much of the Christian world was leaning into and on the edge of embracing the idea that Jesus, the word is Athanasius might put it, was not divine mm -hmm. in the same way that the father was divine. It was a position advocated by another presbyter in Alexandria by the name of Arius. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a, an idea that, made a lot of sense rationally. Folks were uh, tempted to think they were able to figure God out. And uh, Arius was arguing that the, uh, Jesus was simply not divine in the same way that the Father was. Mm -hmm. So Arius ended up arguing that, that uh, the Son was an exalted creature, the highest, almost incomprehensibly exalted 
but still a creature. So if you drew a line in the sand, mm-hmm. Jesus would Jesus would be the Son would be uh, on the incarnate Son would be on the creature side of the land mm-hmm. uh, of the of the line, not not divine like the Father. And Athanasius kept arguing and arguing and arguing on the basis both of Scripture and on the basis of the church's practices and worship mm-hmm. that, that the incarnate son was divine in the ser- very same manner that the father and um, spirit were divine. Mm-hmm. It, but it took a long time. It took a long time for the church finally to be unified um, that position. And Athanasius's personality, I just think it was the personality that God gave him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he hung in there over five different exiles uh, at times, uh, there were Aryan emperors who were looking for him in Alexandria. And if they had found him, would have executed him on the spot. Wow. Just, wow. just to be rid of, rid of him. I mean, what kind of a man is it who is Constantine, uh, the first Christian Roman emperor, is, is riding his horse surrounded by Roman troops. I think it was through the, the streets of, uh, Constantinople, mm-hmm. and and Athanasius runs up to him out of the crowd and grabs his leg, <laughs> complaining about various issues that he didn't feel like Constantine was addressing well. The emperor, he well, grabs the leg of the yeah, emperor. Yeah, he, he grabs the emperor's leg as he's riding along in the street. And, of course, the, that, could, that could get you in trouble. You yeah. could lose your life doing that. So he had a very strong personality, a very lively mind, um, there were positive sides to his personality and negative sides to his personality. He was very human. Uh, there were some uh, folks who uh, called him the black dwarf. Okay. So apparently, apparently he was small in stature mm-hmm. and apparently African. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, surely Egyptian, but, but uh, uh, dark skinned, dark skinned and, uh, Really bright, mm-hmm. a, a man whose mind was just immersed in the scripture, and uh, who cared deeply about the church, and uh, felt that what we say about God mm-hmm. is of real importance. Mm-hmm. That we live in line with the truth, worship in line with the truth, pray in line with the truth, and uh, in this book on the incarnation, then. Um, he's deeply concerned that Christians, mm-hmm. you know, lay people, Christian lay people, for the most part, are, are going to be reading this work and hearing this work read, that they would understand clearly why the Son of God, why the Word, capital W, mm-hmm. why the Word became incarnate, why the Word became flesh, why that was necessary. Mm-hmm. And so in, the, in this work, he, he looked at, the whole story of humanity, the story of uh, Adam, Eve, the story of uh, uh, the loss of uh, innocence and what he calls paradise, what happens as a result of that, and how God makes it all right. Mm-hmm. And how God makes it all right by the Father sending the Son, who becomes incarnate, mm-hmm. and, and through his incarnation resolves and makes right and renews and recreates everything that's gone. I mean, I, I noticed in the, in the book, 
uh, on the incarnation. I mean, really, we see the seeds of a lot of what the church has adapted in terms of its theology. Is that is that accurate? It's absolutely seminal. I mean, it's one uh, that we all can understand. Folks who are listening can understand this work. I mean, uh, Athanasius wanted wanted people who are showing up in church every Sunday to be able to more fully uh, move into the wonder and glory and, and beauty of who Jesus is and what mm-hmm. Jesus has done. So he, he covers uh, in the work very, very uh, substantial issues regarding death, mm-hmm. sin, evil, recreation, restoration, what it means to be created in the image of God, and uh, how God in Christ makes everything right that's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the Incarnation is actually volume two, if I can put it that way, of a two-volume set. The first book being a work that has a Latin title, uh, Contra Gentis, which in English would mean um, against the nations, something mm-hmm. like that, against the nations, against the peoples. And it's a, it, it's a book that focuses on the problem of idolatry. Mm-hmm. So the problem that Athanasius writes about in the first work against uh, the nations is idolatry. Mm-hmm. What's happened in a nutshell, from his perspective, is this. In paradise, in the garden, mm-hmm. Adam and Eve created to be in relationship with God, mm-hmm. but created with the ability to turn away from God. Mm-hmm. So as he describes it, since he'll talk a lot about the body in this work, when they turn away from God, a body that had the capability of dying, it had the capability of dying, but was never meant to die. Mm-hmm. We were never meant to experience death. In that body, which is capable of dying, the Adam and Eve turn away mm-hmm. from God. And when they turn away from God, a body capable of corruption is to use his language, a body capable of dying begins to experience that horror. Mm -hmm. He talks a lot in this work about corruption, Mm -hmm. decay and death and transgression and sin. Mm -hmm. So when, so, so the result from his perspective of transgression is the loss of life, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. loss of life. And what happens then it's, it really is a horror story is we, as God's image bearers, turn away from God. That image is cracked, distorted, and we begin to die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we begin to experience in our body the fruit of transgression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to use this language. And corruption is a result. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Yep. This, the second thing is that he insists on this again and again. It's really wonderful. Is that God is good. Mm-hmm. God's good. And because of the goodness of God, to use his language, because of the goodness of God, God is not going to allow what's happened to his image bearers to be the last word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's God's goodness and love 
the goodness and love experience between Father, Son, and Spirit. It's God's goodness and love that cause, motivate, empower, uh, it's hard to use the right language, um, uh, impel, yeah, maybe that's a good word, impel mm-hmm. the Son into the world mm-hmm. where then the Son takes on the very body that we all have, a body that even for the Son is capable of dying. Okay. Capable of dying. And what happens is, it's like the Son, to use the language of a different church father, Irenaeus, it's as though the Son then walks the path that we have walked, but makes right everything that's gone wrong. Mm. So, So the Son incorruptible mm-hmm. moves into our world in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Uh, I like the language that Athanasius uses for that womb. He calls it the temple of the sun <laughs> at times, the palace of the sun. And he moves in the sun then joins himself to human nature and grows and develops and matures in a body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that very body, then, dies for us, experiences death, but never in, never corruption. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never corruption because it's, the nature of the Son has been joined to our nature in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Mm-hmm. And so you have this wonderful transformation that takes place. So corruption is overturned by incorruption. Life overturns death. Mm-hmm. Holiness eradicates evil, all in the incarnation of the Son, our Savior, as Athanasius puts it. So the story of the incarnation is the story of everything that's gone wrong being made right. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, a passage that's important for Athanasius, for example, is uh, Colossians chapter 1 where Paul talks about uh, Jesus being the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, all things being created by him and for him and so on. And so it's the, re- yeah, it's the restoration in the sun. This is Athanasius's language. Mm-hmm. It's the restoration, the recreation of God's image bearers in the image of the great image who in turn, the son, who in turn images the father. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a recreation and renewal of human beings into what we were always created to be. So that's the book in a nutshell. (laughs) That's the book in a nutshell. And then um, the second main theme in the book is is the restoration of the knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. So when I... It's something like this. When we worship an idol, we're worshiping something that's not true, mm-hmm. not in line with the truth. And and we lose the knowledge of God that we were always meant to have. So in the incarnation, not only in on the incarnation, this work by uh, Athanasius, not only is corruption overcome, death overcome, evil overcome, the demonic overcome. He talks about the demonic and uh, 
Satan, and so on. All of these uh, wretchednesses overcome, these horrors overcome, life, restoration, recreation, um, resurrect, uh, resurrection, all these wonders, but our knowledge of God is restored. Mm. Mm-hmm. Our knowledge of God is restored. You and I can know God today, Athanasius would say, because that knowledge has been restored to us in the incarnation of the Son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, and and that's really deeply uh, Pauline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many of the themes that Paul talks about, uh, Athanasius just develops them in this little work. It's only fifty six paragraphs. Uh, it's a on the small, incarnation. It's like yeah, it's a pages. small little yeah, yeah. It's a little paperback. So I, I'm just encouraged that so many people in the book club uh, are going to have the opportunity to to read it and mm-hmm. and for, for over I think it's over a seven week period. So we'll have lots of time to develop a lot of these themes. And it's and it's a book you you need to take your time with, right? I mean, this, yeah, you want to go slow. He is interesting to me because he his sentences are. He's got some long sentences there. Yeah. You kind of got to hang with him on it. Yeah. yeah. He didn't write this intending for people to peruse through it with a speed read. No. Most most of the uh, ancient Christian writing is uh, purposely designed to be chewed in small bites, if I can put it that way. <laughs> you, know, you read a paragraph. And so in this edition, for example – You've got 56 paragraphs, each paragraph or sections, Mm -hmm. and each section is maybe a page, Mm -hmm. a page and a half, and and, um, designed just like you were saying, Nate, go slow, uh, pause. I think Athanasius would like it if we went slow, paused, prayed, maybe even worshipped. Hmm. In light of an unfolding, wondrous story filled with beauty, filled with restoration, uh, God recreating his image bearers who have gone bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, what I found interesting is he seems to use a lot of uh, logic, that he starts from one place and then logically kind of builds this case. Is is that an accurate way to describe? Yeah. In fact, in fact, he he'll talk in the work about how part of being created in in the image of God, what sets us apart from the other creatures of God, all of whom God loves, is our rationality. Mm-hmm. That's one of the words he'll use. Uh, I, I think it would be we're logikos. We're capable of of thinking things through. So to be in relationship with the Lagos, the word, is almost uh, uh, the next lot. The next step would be to realize we're capable of reason itself because reason, the Lagos, has has entered our world mm-hmm. and relationship with us. So one of the unique things about human beings from Athanasius's perspective is that we can think things through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, other animals, I'm, I'm looking out the window here. Pancho, my dog, is out on the deck. <laughs> he's enjoying the day. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day. He's got his nose up in the air. He's hoping a fox might walk by or a, a deer or something like that. 
but he's not thinking like we we're wired to think. Mm-hmm. So um, God invites us into relationship and into the possibility of thinking. But for for uh, Athanasius, thinking well is never divorced from praying well, mm-hmm. and it's never divorced from worshiping well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He will turn to the worship of the church as an aid in making sense out of what God has done on our behalf. Mm. So we're reasoning. God's image bearers are reasoning, praying, worshiping creatures. That's why um, he's horrified by idolatry. Mm. Because when a person enters into idolatry, starts worshiping an idol, Everything gets inverted. We're thinking poorly, and we're praying poorly, and we're worshiping poorly because we're worshiping something that's not true. Mm-hmm. So, so that tendency to reduce things to our level, to a human level, uh, Athanasius will actually say God takes advantage of that habit and comes to our level in the incarnation and then leads us heavenwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, Athanasius will say, our gaze, left to ourself, our gaze is torn, turned toward the earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes towards uh, things that we'll worship that are not God. So in the incarnation, one of the things that's going on is our vision is being restored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gaze is being uh, turned in a different direction mm-hmm. toward heaven, toward the, uh, the Father through the Son, so that we end up praying, worshiping, contemplating the truth rather than things that simply aren't true. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't tell you how many times he'll turn to the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the heart of the matter. In the resurrection, Jesus has... Uh, conquered those things that we tend to be most terrified by. Mm-hmm. Oh, his statements on death mm-hmm. of, of people, um, is it disgusted? Is that the word he used with death? Despised. People despise, mm-hmm. Christians despising death. He'll talk, he'll, he'll talk about the martyrs of the church. Yeah. There were still occasionally martyrdom, martyrdoms occurring, surely in the first uh, uh, 12 years of the 4th century when Athanasius was himself a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were there was some, some virulent persecution going on. And so he'll say, what is it that would cause people to, to act so strangely um, to despise death? And he'll, he'll talk about little boys and little girls who are willing to die Mm-hmm. which really goes against the grain of our nature, why would they act in such a way? And he'll say, well, it's because death's been overturned. Yeah. Corruption's been overturned. Evil's been overturned in the incarnation of the Son. That's why. Mm-hmm. And that's really a word for us today because uh, to this day, people tend to have a, a deeply ingrained fear of death and fear of dying. Mm-hmm. And all those things that um, uh, we tend to be afraid of, corruption, dissolution, uh, uh, it's 
it comes to mind, for example, when some I used to work when I was when I was uh, young in my uh, early twenties in in the funeral business, and people were really concerned yeah, about what's what's going to happen to that body mm-hmm. that's going to be buried in the ground. Is it going to dissolve? Uh, what's the whole process involved? Oftentimes, people when they lose a loved one will well, in their worst moments, be thinking about what's going on in that in that casket, what's going on in that coffin that's been mm-hmm. buried. In the, so, because I love, I love that body. Mm-hmm. I love image bearer's body. And what Athan- Athanasius's point is, though we might experience what looks like corruption, uh, all of that's going to be made right. All of that's going to be recreated. We don't have to be afraid. Oh, about wow. something that by all appearances looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, it is terrible, but the fathers as a whole, and Athanasius representing them, will, will teach us don't judge. I think we might have even talked about this before, you and I, me. Don't judge on the basis of appearance. Mm-hmm. That whatever uh, dissolution or corruption that is still occurring to a human body, that body, though it might turn to death, it's going to be fully restored and renewed and recreated because that image bearer has joined herself, mm-hmm. joined himself to, to the incarnate son who has conquered death. And Athanasius is very specific about this, conquered corruption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there will be a, a, a day when that final victory is fully manifest throughout the entire universe. That's mm. Athanasius. Mm. The, the I, entire universe being restored. I, I really liked how he used kind of, he'd build these logical cases and this one in terms of the resurrection and a kind of, proof of the resurrection of sorts of how, uh, you know, a dead person can't change people's lives kind of thing. And then watching the martyrs, let, let me read just a short section about, about martyrs. He says, for when one sees human beings who are weak by nature, leaping towards death, neither shrinking from its corruption, nor fearing the descent to hell, but with an eager spirit challenging it, and not flinching from torture, but rather for the sake of Christ, preferring instead of his present life zeal for death. For if one were to watch men and women and young children rushing and leaping towards death on the account of their devotion to Christ, who is so silly of who is so incredulous or who is so maimed in mind as to not yeah, maimed under- in mind. That's the favorite phrase. <laughs> maimed in mind uh, as to not understand and reason that it is Christ to whom human beings are bearing witness and who provides and grants the victory over death to each. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to to that he I, I I mean it almost sounds right in this is that he he's watched this happen. Yeah, people. I, I mean, that was just in my mind as you were reading that. I think probably when he was a teenager, um, I think he might, I can't remember exactly his date he was born, maybe 295, something like that, maybe a little bit earlier. So when you get from, from 300 
to 312, there was a virulent persecution that broke out for 12 years before the conversion of Constantine. So he would have been um, probably in those years, maybe 10, maybe 12, maybe mm -hmm. 13, maybe 15, when all of that was going on. It wouldn't surprise me one whit that he saw some of this happening. Mm -hmm. Maybe even could have been even some of his friends growing up. Because mm -hmm. he was a strong, even as a kid, he was a strong believer. Uh, he got he got rebuked uh, by a bishop once because some of uh, his friends and uh, Athanasius himself were pretending to baptize each other in the Mediterranean. I think when they were maybe ten or eleven years mm -hmm. old, and the bishop said, "You can't be doing that, boys. That's not the right thing to do." <laughs> uh, so it wouldn't surprise me that, that he's bearing testimony. Mm -hmm. How yeah. how do you think Athanasius's life was shaped and formed by his friendship with Abba Anthony, a desert mm -hmm. father? I mean, it seemed like a, like he would kind of go and hang out and learn from Anthony. Well, there were probably well, I know there were a number of times when Athanasius was in hot water in Alexandria. For example, when an Arian emperor was looking for him. Uh, and surrounded his church with Roman soldiers. Come kill him. Yes. Yeah, they want to take his life where he escaped, and it was the desert uh, mobs, the desert dwellers, who welcomed him and protected him. Mm -hmm. So when you think of uh, Abba Antony, Athanasius will turn to Abba Antony's life. We took a look at this last year in the book club. He'll turn to Antony's life and basically say, if you want to see what the results of the incarnation of the sun look like in an image bearer's life, look at Antony. Hmm. That's what it looks like. So from his perspective, uh, if you want to see what a real human being looks like, look at the incarnate son, Jesus, mm -hmm. and then look at those who in faithful discipleship have adopted Jesus's life like Anthony mm -hmm. of the desert. And that's what a real image bearer looks like. Mm -hmm. Looks like Anthony, mm -hmm. who was filled with love, mm -hmm. love for God and love for neighbor. Isn't it interesting that he didn't choose to be uh, live in the desert, his lives, but had this kind of call or mission to work with the church? Um, any thoughts? This on, is Athanasius you're thinking of? Yeah, that he, you know, mm -hmm. kind of went back to Constantinople and kept trying to help. Yeah. He saw when he would go out to the desert and with being protected in the desert, he was in relationship with these Abbas and these Amas, these mothers and fathers out there in the desert, watching how they live, watching how they practiced, uh, taking note of. Uh, their ascesis, their spiritual exercises, and how they conducted themselves out there. And his vocation was not to stay in the desert, but to go back into the city mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as the Bishop of Alexandria. Mm -hmm. But, but um, much of what he learned in the desert, he brought with him into the city. Mm -hmm. And because he got exiled uh, at, at least five times, uh, he was not infrequently out in the desert, once down in France and in Gaul and so on. But even in Gaul, there were monastic communities that he was familiar with and that actually who sheltered him. Sheltered him. Mm -hmm. um, 
from capturing someone. Yep. Yeah. Who well, for thought? Yeah, two two maybe final questions or points. And you referenced it a few times in here, but he's very intent on when he uses the word word. Uh, he's not talking about written word. He's more along the lines of uh, John 1. Um, could you just say what his description when he uses that uh, in terms of the incarnation? Yes. He'll oftentimes, well, the word, the word that he'll use is, or the phrase that he'll use is, the word became incarnate. Mm-hmm. The word became incarnate. Uh, the word of the Father became incarnate. Or he'll sometimes say, the word, the Son, became incarnate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's this movement. He called, he, one time he uses the expression, God the Word. Mm-hmm. In his condescension, in his goodness, in his love, deigned to become what we are. Mm -hmm. So that, this is the the very end of the book, so that we might become what he is. Mm -hmm. In fact, the phrase is... Hey, uh, formation, right in there. Yeah, there you have it. Uh, So uh, uh, the phrase he uses is that God became a human being so that a human being could become God. Mm. Now, he doesn't mean that we'll become, cross some line into, in the sand and move from being creatures to being uncreated glory. Mm-hmm. But he does mean that we're designed, created to be like God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be like God. Mm-hmm. Little Christ, sometimes the fathers will say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's um, so on the incarnation is really a story of recreation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a story of renewal. Mm-hmm. It's a story of restoration. It's the story of God's goodness and love moving into our world and calling us into a world we were always meant to live in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The restoration of all things, the renewal of all things in the incarnate Son. Mm-hmm. Now, he really picked up on New Testament ideas and even Old Testament and then just gave us this wonderful um, picture, image of what that was all about that, that really seeped its way into um, you know, Christianity at a very helpful Seminal work, we can say, yes? Yeah. What I see in my mind's eye as we're talking is a cracked image bearer worshiping an idol in a Greek temple Mm -hmm. and walking outside and encountering Paul in the marketplace and hearing the story. And then from Athanasius' perspective, that cracked image bearer who was worshiping something that was so reduced, mm-hmm. it might have been a, a rock that had fallen from heaven mm-hmm. in some of these temples, whatever it might be, worshiping something that was so reduced, so small, so finite, now encountering a wonder that calls him out of himself in that inward-looking, 
curved in on himself, stands before God, calls him out of that because he sees something. And the one he sees is one who looks like him, Hmm. who's embodied like him, speaks like him, speaks in human language, has lived, ministered, uh, a a real human being, Hmm. but who simultaneously, simultaneously is God. The Word. The Word. The Word. There you go. The Word made flesh. The Word made flesh. The (laughs) Word incarnate. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's good. Someone comes into relationship with the Word incarnate and becomes all that he was initially created to be. Mm -hmm. With all these great reversals taking place, death to life, corruption to incorruption, Mm -hmm. evil to to goodness, Mm -hmm. hatred to love. I mean, it just goes on and on. Can't get enough of it. <laughs> I think it's the gospel. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's all in there. Um, last question. Um, if you could ask Athanasius one question today, what might you ask him? Well, if I could ask him today, you know, the experience he's had for the past 2,000 years, <laughs> and he showed up at my doorstep, I might ask him, what's it like? <laughs> now, what's it like now for you? Yeah. What's it like to to uh, be fully present to the wonder and, and incarnate glory that you thought so much about, mm-hmm. wrote so much about. I've been thinking, Nate, I've been thinking about that a lot. Uh, because what will it be like for me, you know, could be today or it could be 30 years, 40, 30 years from now. I doubt it'll be much longer. <laughs> than me. Or for you, you know, maybe 30, 40 years from now. What yeah, that might will be, be what I would ask you. What's it like to be living in the presence of the incarnate word? <laughs> Jesus. Yes. What's it like to have the opportunity to not only see Jesus, but through him to see God? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's it like? Can you capture that for me? <laughs> Verbs and I think probably what he would say, maybe growling a little bit, would be that's something I can't I can't describe adequately. Words <laughs> fall short. <laughs> you will experience it, and it will take your breath away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Something like that. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you so much, Chris. Uh, appreciate it. You bet. Well, there you have it. I believe you still have time to join the book club for this particular book. And if you'd like to join others in working through this, I invite you to do such. Uh, In that, you'll find study guides, uh, discussion board, and uh, some in-depth podcasts with Chris. And then we do a final interview where uh, readers can offer questions specifically for Chris to to answer. Not to make an uh, overt plug for the book club, but it's been going quite well. And I think we have uh, over 1,300 people uh, reading these books together. And uh, I recently ran across a, a number of kind of stories about what it's meant to people in just, just a couple of words. A breath of fresh air. Uh, someone else said it's just been so much fun. And another person commented that it's been been a real blessing. So these are good things that we get to do here at Renovare. And lastly, uh, you still have another week and a half to help me celebrate my dad's upcoming 75th birthday. 
the stories have been coming in, and uh, much to, I'm sure, great surprise uh, to my dad. But if you still have one you'd like to share with us, you could email it to justine at justine at renovare.org, J-U-S-T-I-N-E at renovare.org, or you can leave a message on our one uh, 844 number, which is one 844 renew 88 one renew 88 And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, feel free to listen to the March 6th podcast, episode number 71. Have a great week.